0: Good evening, brethren. Good evening, good evening. Greet you in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Continuing this series on the person of Jesus Christ, the things that He He is, the things that He's working, the things that He does, the things that He is doing, the things that He will do. There's no aspect of Christ that you can focus on and be disappointed. Yeah. Jesus is not known... <clears throat> Jesus is known not just by who He is, but by what He does. Yes, exactly. The Jesus that God has declared to us in the Scripture is a doer. Jesus is a worker. Yes. He's working today. This very minute He's working from the heavenly places. Now, Jesus has not sat down at the right hand of the Father in a seat of inactivity. Yeah. He's seating in a throne. Yeah, he said, My Father is always working and so am I. John 5.17 All things have been put under His feet. He's the head of all principality and powers. And He hasn't just been put uh, the head of all principalities and powers to not use those principalities and powers. The principalities and powers given to Christ aren't just like a trophy for Christ. They're for His utility. He is head over principalities and power. He has employed that power to work in us. And I would like to talk today about a specific and a necessary work that Jesus performs in us. He circumcises our hearts and brings us to our text today. In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, Colossians 2.11. Before we can talk about this in depth, it would benefit us to talk about circumcision and to have a working knowledge of how this is used in the Scripture. See, everything that God instituted, He did so for a reason. How would we understand a sacrifice without the sacrifice given in the law? What reference point would you have? When Jesus is declared to be our high priest, what reference point would you have if we had never been exposed to an earthly representation of a priest in the, according to the Scriptures? What would clean and unclean mean to anyone unless a distinction had already been made at some point in time, even if it was in ordinances? See, these things were shadows of Christ. They were set forth as types of of a greater and an enduring substance. They would prepare our understanding when the fullness came. And circumcision is no different. The circumcision is a process of cutting away and removing of the flesh. It's a procedure that involves removing a person's physical flesh, something that they were born with, removal of it. It was first introduced to us in the scriptures in the book of Genesis, chapter 17. And it's a pretty significant thing. It was actually a token of the covenant itself that God made with Abraham. Pretty significant thing that we're about to talk about today. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep. Between me and you and thy seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised. It's a pretty important thing. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house, or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people he hath broken my covenant. Now that was a serious thing. It wasn't just an empty ordinance. There was a lot that hinged on this act of circumcision. It was a token of a covenant between God and Abraham. And if this wasn't done, it meant being entirely cut off from the people of God. A person's acceptance in the household of God hinged on this aspect of circumcision. Consider that even after Moses had fled Egypt and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and had been commissioned by God for a work because his son Gershom was not properly circumcised, the angel of the Lord met him in the inn. By the way, he was en route to Egypt to do a work. And the, but the angel of the Lord met him in the inn and sought to kill him. It's Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 through 26 is the account. And Zippor- if Zipporah didn't circumcise Gershom right then and there, it would not have ended well. But because she did it, it's written, he let him go. I say circumcision was pretty necessary if you wanted to do something for God and live. As time progressed, God would reveal in his word a greater implication of this circumcision he began to reveal that there is more to circumcision than just a physical token or ordinance of law moses told the people in deuteronomy chapter 10 he said circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked he just told the people change your nature Do you see how a little bit more is revealed here about circumcision than just an outward activity? And then the, it doesn't end there. The prophets describe the people as uncircumcised in heart. Jeremiah 9, 9.26, Ezekiel 44, chapter 7. Stephen said the same thing when he addressed the Sanhedrin, that they were uncircumcised in heart and ear. And again, the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Israel about this same thing. When he said, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of your evil doings. See, God cannot save men eternally while they remain in a fundamental state of rebellion towards him. A change has to take place in the inner and hidden parts of a man or he cannot be saved. Now, under the Old Covenant, the people are the ones who perform the circumcision. The people had to do it. Surely, if they could have circumcised their own hearts, someone would have done it. But we see that no one did do it, which is scary considering that God said if it wasn't done... His fury would come forth like unquenchable fire. Even David, a man after God's own heart, cried out to the Lord, created me a clean heart. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He didn't know how to do that. Praise God that under the new covenant, He would be the one doing the circumcision and not us. It's a good piece of news, especially when you consider that this is actually a matter of life and death, life and death. Make no mistake about it. If God does not circumcise you, you won't live. Listen to what he's declared. Deuteronomy 30, verse six, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all of thine heart and with all of thine soul, that thou mayest live. Yes, what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God himself would accomplish through a spiritual circumcision. And the prophet Ezekiel described this work. He described it In chapter 36, verses 26 through 27, he said, I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, the circumcision, and I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Again, Ezekiel wrote a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, before he came in the Christ, there was no distinction. You were all together unprofitable you were alienated from God and enemies in your mind through wicked works, the body of sins through wicked works, Colossians 1: 121. Your heart was deceitful and desperately wicked." Jeremiah 17:9. Then God did something through His Son. He made a distinction. Jesus is the Word. It is stated that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharp! The separation is precise. There isn't any unclear edge. If the Word can discern between the soul and the spirit, you better believe that it can divide between the flesh and the spirit. And I thank God that Jesus is the one doing this circumcision. The Amplified Bible states our verse as such, In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by the stripping off of the body of flesh, the whole corrupt, carnal nature with its passions and its lusts. Now there's a division right there. These things are necessary. Jesus does not do unnecessary things. Does anyone think that what Jesus does is not essential or completely necessary? God forbid. Therefore, this circumcision is essential to our salvation. The circumcision of Christ deals with the body of sin, the entirety of it. See, Sin caused a spiritual growth upon the heart that deadened men toward God. By nature, man being born to the sin left him spiritually insensitive. The scripture refers to this condition as being dead in trespasses and sins. Being dead in your sins. And dead in your sins. Three different places. The circumcision of Christ is completely thorough and effective in removing the body of sins. In other words, Christ effectively rids your heart of the part that is unacceptable to God. Mm -hmm. Our our flesh clings to the earth. Without a circumcision, the new creation would not be distinct from the old. But it is. Therefore, the circumcision is what constitutes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Which means that really nothing of any eternal significance can happen in your life until you are in Christ. Christ made a distinction, a division, a separation. Not a a physical separation, but a spiritual separation. We haven't completely lost our sinful nature. Believe me, it's still with us. It hasn't been stripped off as in totally removed from us, not having to deal with it any longer. But it has been destroyed in the same sense that the devil is destroyed and no longer has any power over us. Amen. We are no longer connected to it. It is no longer a part of us. And one day, it will pass away. Yeah. It's a separation that causes us to say, just as Paul said, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. A separation from that. He, he was speaking of contrary thoughts that entered into his mind that were generated in his mind's eye. He's not the one that generated those thoughts. It was the sinful nature. He wasn't associated with it. Why wasn't he associated with it? Jesus circumcised him. Jesus circumcises us. Let's see if you're not circumcised by Christ, then those are your thoughts. Those contrary thoughts against God are your thoughts. There is no new creation to somebody who is outside of Christ. There's a separation that has occurred. You can say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There's a distinction. The circumcision was a token of the covenant, but ultimately it was a shadow of a substance belonging to Christ himself. The prophet spoke of Christ's circumcision and what circumcision would do, that it would cause us to keep his ordinances and statutes and do them. In other words, this circumcision of Christ causes a change in the very nature of a person in whom it is performed on. Where only one nature existed, there are now two. If anyone then has the substance dwelling in them, What would provoke them to seek after the shadow? If we are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit, why why would anybody promote that which is in part to worship God in the flesh unless they had been turned from Christ? like Why do people follow after feast days and Sabbath keeping and circumcision and the like? Why did the what what was the error in the Galatian church? The apostle Paul speaks clearly. He said, "If ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing." In Galatians chapter 5. And in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Again in Romans 2:28 through 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision that is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the leather, whose praise is not of men, but of God. This is what Christ has brought us to. Christ is the substance. And everyone in Christ experiences the circumcision no one has forgotten or left out. God doesn't forget anybody that comes into the kingdom. Yeah, this is why it said, for we are the circumcision. Yes. We are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You can't worship God in the flesh. The flesh has to be cut off. We are the circumcision. And because of that, we worship God in the Spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. I think and praise God that Christ has circumcised us Amen. so that we can serve God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, Amen. and be that we've been made willing in the day of his power. Amen. God's covenant with Abraham, a promissory token. A removal of the flesh of man was just as God had spoken. Without it then, the repercussions would be serious and lethal. The offensive man who disobeyed would be cut off from his people. It was a salient shadow of the fuller things to come and the separation he would be shortly bringing through his son. For though his people Israel were circumcised in part, there still remained a stubborn, sinful foreskin on their heart. See, iniquity man only reaps, and unrighteousness he sows, because his sinful nature now is all he really knows. Rebellious men cannot be saved if they remain the same. It requires then their inward parts essentially to change. For God will not be pleased by flesh and all its pomp and service, or praise and worship only if expressed upon the surface. Something there was in the way that God would not go near it. The sinful flesh of man wouldn't face with God, who is a spirit. This flesh covers the heart, so men are dead now in their sins. There must be a removal of it now, or life cannot begin." But Jesus Christ, the word of God, so quick now and so sharp, knows how to fix and remedy man's stubborn, stony heart. He fulfills now the word of the prophet's admonition and removes the sinful part of us through a handless circumcision, an operation of the Lord to all who obey by faith the form of the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and life are reborn. A distinction now exists in us, a dichotomy of sorts. One is alive and well, it thrives, while the other is a corpse. What once was one is now made two, and one nature's old, because one has been made new. The old man's been left now on that cross to rightly die, and in him we no longer have to yield or identify Now we can shout the victory. It is not I, but sin in me. We are not bound. We are made free. Who once were blind, but now we see. By that operation, we have the acquisition of life. We so thank the Lord God for the circumcision of our Lord Jesus Christ.